Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joe Tossi from TechTables.com, and you're listening to the Public Sector Show by TechTables. This podcast features human-centric stories from public sector CIOs, CISOs, and technology leaders across federal, state, city, county, and higher education. You'll gain valuable insights into current issues and challenges faced by top leaders through interviews, speaking engagements, live podcast tour events. We offer you a behind-the-mic look at the opportunities top leaders are seeing today. And to make sure you never miss an episode, head over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and hit that follow button and leave a quick rating. Just tap the number of stars that you think this show deserves. Today we got Brad Oswald, Service Engagement Manager, and we are back on the pod. So for those who don't know you, just give us a little bit of background on yourself. Brad Oswald, Service Engagement Manager here with Florida Digital Service. Not a background in cyber originally. Lived in Jacksonville, Florida for the last 12 years, did relationship management and loan officer services in the mortgage industry. That's where I started out, got down to the end of that road in that career and just said, man, I I can't see myself doing this for the next 25, 30 years. Needed a change. And I had a lot of folks ask why transfer to cyber? And I think that people have a certain thought process on the the technical necessity or acumen in order to transition into this career, but they really don't think about a sales background or relationship management background, which even in the public sector is super necessary in order to effectuate your mission and articulate your narrative and and what you're trying to accomplish for your customers. So I talked to Jamie about six or seven months ago. We sat down for dinner. He walked me through the X's and O's of the mission and what he's looking to accomplish as well as what FLDS as a whole was looking to accomplish. And I was sold from day one. So here we are. And what was his pitch at dinner? It had to have been a good pitch because I can't imagine they pay you a whole lot of money. <laughs> we all know Jamie's not short for words, but no, it was it was a, a good common marriage, a good common bond from the start. I think I really accented what he was discussing, which was be a part of something that's bigger than yourself. Uh, come be mission oriented. I told him, I was like, man, I, I chased the dollar for a long time in my career. And I'd gotten to a point where I realized that wasn't going to to cut the mustard anymore as far as fulfilling any type of uh, internal goals, personal, professional goals. And I, I told him I'm looking to to make a change, to be a part of something that uh, is bigger than myself and also be a part of something that's been done for the first time or is being done for the first time. I, I really gravitated towards that. I, I know we, this is a reoccurring theme and maybe it's been beating a dead horse on this, but that startup mentality of being able to collaborate and come together and, and be a part of something that uh, hasn't been done uh, in the union before and, and seeing his mindset, seeing his tenacity towards it and, and overall just seeing his passion towards what we're trying to do here and the mission we're trying to uh, to build out. That was really the deal sealer for me. Okay. That is absolutely great. I love the startup mentality you bring. I, I don't know if I've ever heard of like service engagement manager in a public sector setting. Sure. So there's some other CIOs out there that are like, hey, we want to hire someone like Brad or Brad's good looking brother. <laughs> what should they look for? Sure. That's a great question. I, I'll, I'll talk to you about it just from our experience or my experience here at, at FLDS. I think prior to me coming here, it wasn't that I'm the agent of change or the end all be all on the change in what I'm about to say, but I, I think that I've been able to make a positive impact on it. You're doing all these really wonderful things internally, and you're seeing all these really beautiful initiatives come to light and come to fruition, and you're making a lot of great strides, but no one knows about it. 
and no one's telling your customers or your clients or your partners in this case. Our partners are our local entities through our grant program, state agencies and other entities around Florida. It's like you can do all the great things in the world internally and get all these things done. But if you're not communicating those things effectively, if you're not articulating that message and that mission to the people that you're trying to impact, you're just not going to have a good common bond and you're not going to have that healthy trust and respect and partnership that you're looking for. So if I was to speak to a CIO, whether it be state or local, ISMs, whoever's doing the headhunting for a person like me is just make sure that they're listen first, speak second type of mentality. Really try to identify the needs, the wants, the challenges, the pain points that the people that you're trying to serve, those things are being taken care of. And that word serve, I, I look at my position very much so as a servant mentality to where it's not about us. It's not about FLDS looking better or our accomplishments or our accolades or our corporate ego. It's more so what can we do to make the experience for our partners better for the people that we serve? And how can we do that effectively and, and, and get them on board and, and really to understand holistically what we're trying to do here? Yeah, no, that's really great. So the sales background and that piece of it, which ties in really well to the kind of listen first, speak second. Mm -hmm. Maybe we talk about those traits, those sales skills, and how you're tactically using them in the office on a week to week sure. basis. So I try to pass this down to the reps that report directly to me. It's about having a tactful assertiveness to you and, and be able to find that fine line because you don't want to just sit back on your hands and wait for things to happen, but you also don't want to be overly pushing, overly aggressive. And we're, we're not here to force solutions down people's throats. So um, I think being a listener first is always the best way to go. Figure out how can I serve these people, um, but also be a master of your craft. Uh, you really have to become relatively for our position. I'm not saying that everyone on my team, myself included, is not high technical acumen, deep in the weeds into the solutions, but at least being able to listen and then set the proper expectations for the journey to give them a roadmap and a game plan of, hey, you want this solution. That's great. This is how we're going to get that accomplished for you. And then throughout that journey of implementation and even afterwards, like once everything's done to be able to maintain a healthy relationship with that CIO, that ISM, that state agency, that local entity that is going to need continuous support and servitude and perpetuity. So I really think the biggest thing is just having a lot of empathy, putting yourself in their shoes, trying to look through their lens to try to understand what is it that they really need and try to foster a good, thriving, trustly relationship. Yeah, no, I really like that a lot. Empathy is critical and Typically when I have folks on the podcast, I'll do like a podcast intro call and a lot of guests will come on, they'll go, okay, what are we going to talk about? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I want to hear from you first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me a little bit more about yourself. Sure. So I kind of ask these open-ended questions and then I'll start asking layering questions. And I did this with my daughter, which is, it's always like a basic example, but I love it. And when she was younger and anyone who has kids, they come home from school and you're like, Hey, how was school? And my daughter, Annabelle, would go, good. And I'm like smiling because I'm like, okay, great. What does good mean? There was a playground. 
Awesome. Cool. What did you do on the playground? We, there was a jungle gym and there was a couple balls and okay. What did you end up doing? You're like, oh, actually there was a, we ended up playing handball and why do you like handball? Handball is the ball is red. I don't know. Like she would just make up stuff. And I'm like, this is so funny. And so with adults, it was the same thing of asking these questions and just trying to learn from the folks, which then is funny because on the podcast, that's, that's all I do is just ask questions, poke around at some stuff that I think is like, cool. We'll highlight that, which I feel like is very similar in trying to get buy-in because you're trying to learn from whoever you're trying to, whether that's any kind of bill you're trying to get passed or any like kind of next step in mission or trying to get something over the line with the vendor it starts with listening, empathy, understanding the problem and un- just really getting into their mindset. So I-, I really like that a lot. And then having the, I love this healthy relationships. I think I'm a big Jocko fan. And yeah, so if you don't, if you don't have, if you don't have the relationship, yeah. it, none of that other stuff's even going to matter. Not at all. Not even a little bit. And I, in my prior career, you see all different types of salesmen and, and, and saleswomen and relationship managers and the ones that just go in and try to storm the castle and, and push their initiative and ram it down your throat and win at all costs kind of mentality. Like that's not how you build a relationship in your personal life. I always say you, you would never ask someone to get married on the first date. Most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing. You have to be able to look through the lens of the long game. What do you, what's the actual mission? What are you trying to accomplish? Is it, are you trying to boost your own numbers or adoption metrics and all those things? And y- yes, those things are important. We want to see those things go up because it just shows a healthier information security and cybersecurity state for the state of Florida. But the real foundational tenant of that is, is to build these very healthy long-term relationships And I think that can go for your personal life and your professional life. I I think taking a lot of those character traits and morals and ethics from my personal life and just directly translating that into my professional career as from a professional standpoint, my, you know, career standpoint has helped me a ton. And I I see a change. I really have seen a change ever since I got here and and my co-manager, Kristen Hallowell, got here. I, I see a change in our team. I see a change in our culture here and just our mentality is like, how do we truly effectuate partnership instead of, Hey, we have these solutions. We've procured these things for you. Why don't you want them? And taking this very standoffish kind of posture of, well, why don't they want these things? Have you ever asked them why? Have you ever sat down and try to get to the core of the onion of what do they really want? Do they want these things? Do they want more? Do they different? Uh, once we start answering those questions, we could then go out and deliver on those solutions and start to provide real concrete solutions for, for our partners. I love that scorecarding. Maybe just talk about the difference between the beginning of chasing the almighty dollar yes. early on. That's a different scorecard. Very much. To the scorecard now. Are you able to highlight the new scorecard? For folks who are, I guess it would be CIOs who are looking for a service engagement manager. How do they, how do you get measured? What does that look like? Yeah, there's a delicate balance to that too. Cause you know, when you talk about scorecarding and metrics and, and things of that nature, you're looking at quantitative measures, right? The qualitative is harder to measure. The relationship management and how that benefit comes fruition is, is harder to measure. And it's definitely hard to measure in the short term, right? 
because a lot of these relationship pieces and a lot of this growth that we're trying to see, it's going to take time. Just like any other relationship, trust is built over time and dedication and commitment and discipline to that relationship. So I, I do see that there is a direct correlation to that. But I think I see us, as far as a scorecarding standpoint, seeing some of that progression. I really feel that in this next fiscal quarter or two, you'll start to see some of those bonds and those relationships coming to fruition on the scorecard. Yeah, when I was in sales and you're just trying to sell this widget or close this many loans or do whatever, it's very cut and dry. Right? Yeah. Hit this number and hit this goal and then we'll move on to the next month. And it was very wash, rinse, repeat every single month. You have these monthly goals and you're like, well, everything is pretty standard, right? Yeah. Like just go in, get it done, make the sale, move on, make the sale, move on. This is way different. Yeah. Way different. You're, how can I put this? It's not a sale. And I don't know if, I think when it comes to the scorecarding and this relationship building, I think sales is a cheap word to use in this type of scenario. But I think my job as far as being able to measure those scorecards. Yes, I'm focused on the quantitative measures so that we can show, hey, this agency or this local entity, here's a measurable bill of health. But how do we develop the relationship in the beginning in order for us to even articulate what they need to look at for that bill of health or understand what their pain points are in order for us to provide some, some medicine, if you will, or some solutions to, to help eradicate the problem or help to subside the problem. So that bill of health and that scorecard looks good. No, that is such great insight. I think a lot of folks are going to really appreciate, I don't know, I think, cause again, you're the only one from a service engagement manager in the public sector. I've even didn't even know that was like a job right. in the public sector. I don't think it was <laughs> trendsetter. Yeah. Something like that. I, I want to jump back to Jocko real quick. Um, yeah favorite book um, that he's got a couple out there or is there a podcast from Jocko one of his 700 no I think he's got three yeah it, they're, they're, it's hard to uh, it's hard to narrow down a favorite podcast for that guy some of them are pretty intense yeah, yeah. <laughs> discipline equals freedom discipline equals freedom and just in my personal life and in professional existence I think a lot of people look at discipline as the, these are these rigid, boxed in, non-abstract structures that I have to live inside. And it, it, it seems so confining. But after reading that, it's like discipline truly does open you up to being able to have a proper cadence in your life and have that structure that actually allows you to be more abstract and to think about bigger and better things just for this mission professionally at FLDS, if you get all the little things right, if you can put all these good, solid cadences together, these best practices together for yourself, for your team, for your direct reports to where at that point, you're just a well-oiled machine and you have all the basic tenets of your operation down and you can do those things like clockwork in your sleep. That allows you as a service engagement manager, allows you as a service experience team, it allows you as a Florida digital service as a whole to be able to allocate more mental and emotional bandwidth towards bigger initiatives and bigger ideas and better perspectives. And it allows you time to do what we're trying to do now. If we can get the internal, if we can get the internal cadence, the internal structure of FLDS disciplined as we have been, 
it gives you that bandwidth of time to say, hey, now let's go reach outside. Let's go reach out to the people that we're trying to serve and be able to at least have enough time and energy to listen to what they need and really start to partner and bring them in to what we're trying to accomplish. That's great. I, I know we're, we only got you for a little bit of short time. So I, I want to wrap up with, with one more question. Sure. Favorite story you'd like to highlight from FLDS? Ooh, man, there's a lot of them. <laughs> I think one of my favorite things is when I first got here, we were not getting outside of the office. We were not going to meet the people that we serve on their home turf. And as a relationship manager, it baffled my mind. I was like, what do you mean? We're not going and talking to these people and, and shaking hands and, and listening to them face to face. To see myself, to see my team, to see this whole cultural shift of let's not be keyboard warriors. Let's go do actual humanistic relationship building the way that it's been done forever. True relationships are built in person. True relationships are built in a room where you're talking and you can understand body language and tone and really try to get a point across. And once again, not to sound like a broken record, but to really hear someone and to really understand what's the problem, what's the pain point in your organization and your environment and, and like, how can we truly help? And seeing my direct reports adopt that and, and be tenacious about it and just really see this whole cultural shift within our agency that goes towards, uh, servant-based mindset and to see that adjustment has been it's been amazing what you just said is game changer yes like i don't want anyone on the podcast to like to miss that <laughs> getting out of the office is the definition of empathy yes and i, I had a couple experiences when i was younger not in the public sector but of going to going on site and actually seeing how the end users interact with a piece of software versus how the people who make decisions, but getting in person on site, building those relationships. I love that. Not, not being a keyboard warrior <laughs> is a great line. It's like you really, I know we're wrapping up, but I, I really think that if everyone can lead with empathy, if everyone can lead with empathy to constantly and consistently be putting yourself in, in other people's shoes, whether that's me putting myself in the shoes of our data team or our cyber team or our policy team, or our procurement team within FLDS. And I don't have to have a A plus PhD knowledge of what revolves around their job or what they're inundated with on a day-to-day -day basis, but to at least have an understanding of what they're going through. You know, how can I help? How can I provide some leverage service internally? And then absolutely have a like, true heartfelt empathy for the people you're trying to serve and show them that you actually really care, that you're not just trying to push some agenda or some initiative from on high that, you know, what you're trying to fulfill and build out is truly something special. And it's something special that you don't want to do it for the accolades. You don't want to do it for the praise. You don't want to do it for the attaboys. You want to do it because you want to make the state of Florida a safer place. Yeah. And I just want to touch on one more thing that on the leading with empathy, one of the authors for, I'm going to butcher the book title. I'm going to put it in the show notes, but it, I think it's the power to the public. It, it might be called something else. It's pretty close to that. And I was reading in the first chapter and it was interesting how 
there was such a lack of empathy at the federal government side. And at the federal government side, and this was a couple of years ago, but the, the story was, and, and it can be applied anywhere, is anytime, whether it was like child support or any of the type of stuff where you had people filling out documents, the documents became like a an hour long, 20 page thing where you've got people in desperate need of services and none of the information is relevant <laughs> to anything related to the services that they want. And, but I see that all the time where I'm like, cause I consume, I'm both a, so I live in California, so I consume business services, both at the state level and at the federal level. When I consume services, I got to pay taxes. I've got LLC paperwork. I've got all that kind of stuff. And I honestly think whoever is managing this department has never run a business before, has <laughs> never actually gone through the process to figure out if you're a small business owner, what does this look like? to fill out this paperwork and more folks have got to get out of the office, leading with empathy, figuring out the pain points and saying, Hey, if I was a single mom, Hey, if I was a single dad, if I was a resident in Florida, who's does not have cell service because a hurricane just rolled through, what does that look like for them? Oh, no cell service. There's no internet. There's no banks, there's, right. right? There's nothing. That empathy is just like so critical. I know we got to go. I loved having you on. Is there anything else that you would want to touch on before we jump? Yeah. I think on top of the, the empathy piece is, especially internally, the bigger constructs of working in public sector, um, dropping the ego and being able to look at what you're doing wrong or what needs to be fixed. I see a lot of that here, just a, a very openness and willingness to say, hey, we're always in room for improvement, but we don't want to improve just to look better. We want to improve in order to serve better. I really love what we're doing here, truly. The many missions that we're trying to accomplish in tandem, this has been such a wonderful ride thus far. We get a lot of things right. We have a lot of room for improvement, just like every entity does. But the collaborative effort that we have here, the team that we've assembled, the family that we've created, at FLDS is to me, unlike any other that I've ever been a part of, to be a part of something that's bigger than myself. And then most importantly, something or being a part of something that serves my home state of Florida and the citizens thereof is, is just been such a joyous ride thus far. And I, I couldn't be happier to be a part of it. I love it. Dropping the ego, another big Jocko lesson, although that definitely predates Jocko. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I love it. Yeah, man. Uh, on typically I'll talk a lot about cause I coach high school basketball, getting these 12 kids to drop their egos and everyone's fighting for playing time. Of course. And the parents have the biggest egos. Yep. Uh, so I've been chewed out in several times. I used game. to, I, I used to coach middle school football when I was in my twenties, I coached for three or four years and you figure that out really quick. It's not the kids that are the problem. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Sh shaping the kids is, is super fun. The parents sure. is a whole nother level. But yeah. And the, I love the collaborative effort that you mentioned and love what I love what you said about the family at Florida digital services. And I'm really glad that I was able to come out here and, and meet the team. And this has been, it's been a fun two days. Yeah. So. If you ever come back, man, if you're in the neighborhood, just let me know. We'll come sit down again. Yeah. Awesome. We'll make it happen, man. Yeah. No, I appreciate your time today. This has been great. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for coming on the pod.
Yes, sir. Absolutely. Thank you. We got to get a photo before you go. Oh, wait. Did she do the clap? <laughs> I was waiting for that. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joe Tossi from TechTables.com, and you're listening to the Public Sector Show by Tech Tables. This podcast features human-centric stories from public sector CIOs, CISOs, and technology leaders across federal, state, city, county, and higher education. You'll gain valuable insights into current issues and challenges faced by top leaders through interviews, speaking engagements, live podcast tour events. We offer you a behind-the-mic look at the opportunities top leaders leaders are seeing today. And to make sure you never miss an episode, head over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and hit that follow button and leave a quick rating. Just tap the number of stars that you think this show deserves. 